are 623 days until the 2024 presidential election. I can never say that without laughing because it seems so far away and yet it's so horrifyingly close. But anyway, I, before the show started, I was thinking of sort of switching it up and talking about all the good stuff that's been going on. But then I realized it would be a really short show. We would basically just hi, say hi to each other and that would be the end of it. <laughs> so um, let's... Let's just dive in because uh, even though it, it is a cliche at this point, there is a lot going on. Uh, we've got President Biden um, having made a surprise visit to Kiev uh, to see President Zelensky. He's now in Poland being a true state statesman. Um, haven't had one of those to kick around in a while. Oh, we have the just unspeakable situation in Turkey and Syria. Uh, the incredibly important Wisconsin Supreme Court primary election today, uh, which has very serious implications for the 2024 presidential election. But I wanted to start with uh, the Dominion lawsuit against Fox. Uh, so Charitoris Fellacy, Honorary Nerd Avenger, I'm so happy to have you here today. Uh, it's been far too long. Uh, so Basically, I, I wanted to start with uh, the obvious. We, we've seen the text messages. Quite honestly, I don't find them that interesting because there's nothing surprising about them, right? And like, are we surprised that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram, Ingraham et al. are horrible hypocrites who lie to their audiences every night? No, we're not. Uh, we're not surprised about this. Um, so... What's more interesting to me is sort of the chasm between what Fox leadership knows to be true and what allows they allow its viewers to be sold. Um, but even that is not necessarily the most important thing, because I've been asked a few times over the last week or so uh, if it will make a difference, if these revelations will make a difference. And I, I think you know, first of all, the answer is no, of course not, because none of the people who watch Fox News will ever hear any of this. So there's that. But I also think it's the wrong question. I, I think what we should be asking is why is this allowed to happen? You know, we can't simply shrug our shoulders every time, you know, there's another revelation about how Fox News lies to its voters and how date. Oh, I said I said news news lies to its voters and what they get away with and how dangerous it is. Um, you know, so we can't just shrug and just say, well, yeah, well, they lie constantly. They endanger our democracy. They endanger the lives of the people they lie to. But what are you going to do? So, uh, Chara, I was wondering if you could, first of all, just kind of briefly for people who may not know, what is this uh, lawsuit about? Um, but I think much more relevantly, why does it matter? And will it make a difference? So Dominion Voting, uh, they are a voting machine company and they were blamed wrongfully for rigging the 2020 election in favor of Joe Biden. Uh, they were an easy target because they have voting machines in 28 states. And so if your theory of the case was that um, there was, you know, it would have been imp impossible for Joe Biden to win honestly, then you need um, a culprit and a conspirator. And so uh, Fox News personalities and uh, Trump supporters, including Miss um, Powell, went on Fox uh, repeatedly and accused Dominion voting of all sorts of very weird shenanigans. Um, my favorite is that the 2020 American election was somehow rigged by Hugo Chavez, who was at that point dead. Um, but nonetheless, um, they persisted in well, just generating lie after lie after lie about this voting machine company. And uh, so Dominion has sued Powell and Giuliani and Lindell. They've also sued three new news organizations. So they've uh, sued OAN and Newsmax and Fox. And what came out uh, last week was a filing in the lawsuit between Dominion Voting and Fox. 
And what was really remarkable about what they found is that both leaders at Fox and hosts of Fox in real time knew that this was nonsense. And yet they gave it this worldwide platform and they perpetuated the big lie. Yeah, they did indeed. Um, so clearly there are some serious implications if uh, Dominion were to prevail here. I think, what are they suing for $1.6 billion? Mm -hmm. So Jen, will that, will the unfolding of all of this make a difference? Um, and why do we keep, not we, because I don't think the three of us really have too much to, to do about this, but why, why do we continue to leave ourselves vulnerable to this kinds to these kinds of propaganda? The question of whether it makes a difference, uh, I'll give you the mamby-pamby answer, which is it depends. Um, <laughs> let's true. say for sake of argument that Dominion does not settle, refuses to settle, goes to a jury, and the jury awards a couple billion dollars in damages against Fox. Um, then perhaps it makes a bit of a difference. Then perhaps Fox, Fox shareholders, Fox board, get the idea that abject lying to the public is not a good business model, that you can't continually make profits by this sort of, uh, as I said, um, just out and out lying. So maybe financially, it makes a little bit of a difference there. Maybe they pull back a little bit. I actually hope that, hi, Jen Tao, we're just talking about Dominion. I would actually hope that Dominion settles for a billion dollars and a disclaimer on each Fox mm. program. This is not news. This is not news. This is not news. Because that's really what we want. We really want to disabuse the public, their viewers, the political class, that this is some kind of legitimate news organization. It obviously isn't. And I understand all the reasons why the White House doesn't want to throw them out of the press room. I understand all the reasons why they keep calling on these people. But, you know, they really shouldn't. Um, they're not a legitimate news organization. And nothing so aptly illustrates it as, you know, this entire episode. So I think part of the answer to your question is it depends how much Dominion wins if they win. It depends upon the reaction of the political class. And for once, I would love a White House press secretary to stand up in the room and say, no, Mr. Ducey, we're only calling on news organizations from now on. You can sit there, but I'm not going to call you. So no. that would be, you know, my hope. How do we let this happen? Well, the, the glib answer is we have a First Amendment and everyone you know, has the ability to do that. But that's not the real answer. The real answer is why do we take them seriously or allow others to take them seriously? Mm -hmm. And I think it is a combination of um, really bad excuses. One is, well, we hope to reach these people somehow. You know, those mm -hmm. people, first of all, they're not going to reach, they're not going to show an unedited version of the president. They're going to have some clipped up version and a bunch of screwy commentary. So you're not reaching anybody by doing this. Um, the other is that, you know, somehow that the that they will gain the respect of the right by at least going into the den, you know, by at least fighting it out. They'll look tough or their own supporters. But it never works out that way. You never win arguing with complete you know, lunatics and liars. So I guess I come back to the position, which is they have every legal right to operate so long as they're not defaming people and having to pay civil damages. But the rest of us need to stop treating them like a news organization. And that includes mainstream organizations that keep running clips and keep running stories about what is being said. They're simply amplifying the propaganda. So I would hope that this allows legitimate news organizations and politicians to reevaluate how they treat Fox um, and to stop treating them, calling them a news organization. Yeah. Uh, hi, Jen. I just want, I want to get back to the chair for a second uh, because this is, this is a 
larger issue, of course, but I've, it sort of feels like this fits in with, with the larger problem of justice. Uh, like, why does it take this kind of, I'm sure, extraordinarily expensive lawsuit mm -hmm. to um, hold accountable an, an organization that has done more to damage Western democracy than any other single entity, I think. I mean, I think you could make that argument. Uh, and, you know, Dominion may not prevail. Um, we have, I've lost count of how many lawsuits going on across the country trying to hold people for the big lie and January 6th accountable, and years have gone by now. So it, it always feels like the, the, the deck is stacked in favor of the aggressor or the wrongdoer. Um, outside of that, like, you know, I, I think Jen's right by having politicians and, and government seeming just incapable of doing anything to contain this extraordinary threat, which found its loudest voice on January 6th, we're, we're legitimizing it and making the threat even greater. Well, uh, the wheels of justice do move slowly and sometimes painfully slowly. I mean, when, um, and uh, Professor Taub can speak to this, when you're teaching law, you realize how long these cases take because when it starts, it can be day one. And then when you get to the Supreme Court, it's 10 years later. Um, and often the, the citizenry doesn't have that type of patience. But nonetheless, we sort of have to let the wheels of justice work. I mean, I am encouraged by DOJ. They have gone after hundreds and hundreds of people who were at the Capitol on January 6th. They have gone... They've gotten the convictions, including the seditious conspiracy convictions. There's another seditious conspiracy trial going on with the Proud Boys this week. Uh, and that I find incredibly encouraging because that is a legal consequence. But that's when you're considering jail time. With Fox, uh, it's really money uh, okay. and OAN and Newsmax. And so will this change the incentives? For Fox, I think they can spare the billion. I'm not so sure with OAN and Newsmax. Yeah. Um, and I think, I can't remember which one uh, is no longer being carried on, on certain cable companies. And I think that is more the way, like, why are we, we all pay for Fox? You know, why? I, we, there's, there should be more transparency. And I just want to uh, pause for one second because I neglected to do this at the top of the show. I, um, and I'm sorry if I was smiling, uh, but if you look at uh, Wash's um, <laughs> handle today, welcome, <laughs> Brown Mary Trump. It's good to have you. Um, so Brown Mary Trump and other white Mary Trump co-hosted last week because I was out and I just wanted to thank both of them so much. Uh, well, not so much because uh, thanks for making me redundant, but... Other than that, you guys did a great job. Seriously, it was it was a great show. You did a great job, um, and uh, it was I, I was happy to be represented by Brown Mary Trump and other white Mary Trump. So, I actually thanks, guys. went by Ashkenazi. Mary oh, I, I just I just forgot to change my handle, but I'll be Brown. I'll, it's an honor to be Brown Mary <laughs> Trump. In, no, I want uh, in, on Earth Three, in the multiverse. Hey, Mary, you're outnumbered. We're all lawyers, but you. I I am that's that's why I'm kind of hesitant to say much of anything about <laughs> anything. Uh, so again, though, I do think I I think this Dominion thing is is important, and it part of part of what is going to influence whether or not it makes a difference is how it's how it's per, sorry not uh, represented, you know. Um, so Jen, any any thought Jen Taub, any thoughts about where this is heading um, and why it might make a difference. And to, to Jared's point, Fox was never about, was never a money-making ma venture. Um, I mean, we've seen time after time that, you know, advertising, I think my pillow is the only advertiser on Tucker Carlson at this point. You know, they, they just bleed money, but that's not the point of Fox. So, uh, you know, what do you do when you're in a situation in which, the uh, defendant 
can say, yeah, all right, or whatever, I'll pay $1.6 billion and there's no other um, appreciable punishment because clearly money is not going to do it. As, as Jen Rubin said earlier, they need to start like truth in advertising, right? They need to start being warning labels on Fox shows. Sleep Me is the new home for Chili Sleep, which is something I've been using for a few months now. And I have to say, there is nothing as helpful as finding a product that can help you get a better night's sleep especially when it's really hot outside or you've got the heat blasting in the winter, sleeping in a bed that is cool and lowers your core body temperature is, I have found, the absolutely best way to sleep deeply, stay asleep, and wake up feeling energized and refreshed. When life gets crazy, and let's face it, that's pretty much our constant state of living (laughs) in the last few years, and the deep sleep that you need to take on your challenges becomes more important than ever. I've learned that science proves that cold sleep creates better sleep in general. Not only does temperature-controlled sleep repair muscle and improve cognitive function, it lets you start your day feeling sharp and confident and, like I said, energized. It's also one of the best ways to improve your day-to-day or night-to-night life. That's where Sleep Me comes in. It brings you the same great sleep that Chili Sleep offered, just under a new name. Sleep Me makes the coldest sleep systems available by creating the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures for deeper restorative sleep. Their sleep systems are water-based, temperature-controlled mattress pads that fit over your existing mattress in order to provide your ideal sleep environment by keeping your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. And SleepMe just launched the DocPro sleep system with new Hyber AI, so you can experience ultimate cooling power with the DocPro sleep system. And you can pair it with the new SleepMe app and get real-time temperature adjustments based on your current sleep activity from the new Hyber AI technology for perfect results. It's the industry's first sleep tech that tracks and optimizes your sleep temperature for you in real time. That means you can get the best sleep of your life with AI-driven technology. Head over to sleep.me slash Mary to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Uller, or Cube sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for the Mary Trump Show listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep, S-L-E-E-P dot me, M-E, slash Mary to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up refreshed every day. You can also find the link in the show notes. So I missed the beginning, so I'm not aware of whether you just um, only discussed the uh, Dominion case or whether you also talked about Smartmatic, which is the... We only spoke about the Dominion case. So only the one that is sort of proceeding to trial soon as opposed mm-hmm. to the one okay got it um well taken together it's more than two million and billion I, billion i'm sorry okay. so what's three additional zeros among friends no so to us um, it's all theoretical but yeah i mean you've got i think one is over two billion and one's like 1.6 billion and you know there are actual defendants there but to to answer your question i guess in two parts one i do think this kind of thing is a deterrent to Fox News going forward, if at least uh, to some degree, not sufficient though, um, because you know there's money to be made in doing what they do. In other words, it, it, I'm going to get to your warning label. I mean, but in a second. But the, the, the real issue, it's like this symbiotic relationship. It's not entirely clear who is the parasite and who is the host anymore between <laughs> the kind of public who um, wants their, you know, tired old sort of racist ignorance um, reaffirmed through what's, and and conspiracy theorizing and grievance confirmed through the lies and the propaganda from Fox News, or whether it's um, 
Fox News, who already had that predilection and is creating or expanding a, an audience, right? But there, there's this sort of dance that everybody's kind of locked into. And I don't see, you know, as long as there's money to be made and grievance to be exploited, right? So there, there it is. In terms of warning labels- Can I just oh, say something? Just, oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm going to let you finish. I just want to, uh, to that point, I want to say, I think that it was initially the former, you know, Fox sort of creating this uh, very increasingly large pool of viewers um, and sort of, uh, I think brainwashing is too strong a word, but, you know, um, co-opting their uh, vulnerability, shall we say. And I think now it's the latter. Well, I think even before that, I mean, you know, we did, you know, there is, you know, there still is the 400-year history of... But that's what made them vulnerable. No, but what I'm saying is I do think, you know, I do think racism, xenophobia, and fear of the other existed before there was television. But yes, I do well, think... I, was, I didn't realize I was implying... No, no, I know you weren't. I'm just... I'm taking a big lens, right? I'm yeah. taking... But yes, I mean, I think it's... I think that th there we are. In terms of warning labels, you know... Warning labels are like banned books. It's just going to make people want to go to the space. And I and I think what I heard Jen Rubin say makes a lot of sense. You know, the White House doesn't have to call on, yeah. you know, call on someone that's not a news organization. And they can decide what a news organization is. Now, that could also obviously backfire. I mean, I, I do think at this point, because it's because it's because these things are locked in, you know, one way of, of unlocking it was – if the money goes away, you know, then they won't have a show. Well, there's always a Mr. Pillow, you know, or a mm -hmm. My Pillow guy, right? I think we, I think our project right now is repeatedly calling them out over and over again. They're not news. They're not news. They're not news. Not you know, and just and the other side of it is we have to work on the reality of recognizing that there are more people who want. Um, shared prosperity and want to have a multiracial democracy than there are who are not. It's pretty close, but mm -hmm. we need to empower those of us who want that to speak repeatedly about what we want, and we have to fight this fight on the ground so that the, the audience dies off and they don't have any more money to spend. The danger yeah. is that this audience is, is you know, they're going to keep growing their audience. They're going to figure out how to put young people on Fox News somehow. And then we're stuck. You know, we need to make sure, because young people are not getting getting brainwashed on Fox News. No. The people are getting brainwashed on Fox, the people, young people are getting brainwashed on YouTube by these crazy other people. So like we, I think that it's, it's a whole effort everywhere. And um, we just have to be better at speaking for the vast majority, not super majority, but the, the majority who wants a multiracial democracy um, and just here we are, and we, and also the demographics, demographics of the United States reflect a multiracial society. So just empowering, honest, good, caring voices, I think is, and, and saying that the other ones are racist, non-news is the best we can do. Yeah, I, I think one 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 thing that worries me is that we have not done what we needed to do. Fox News should. Why do I keep saying news? I've never done that before. Uh, Fox should have been put in a corner a long time ago. Um, and because we failed to do that, it spread their viewership. Uh, it has, has grown. And you're right. There will be a pivot away from them. Fox can't last forever because the, most of their viewers are, you know, upwards of 70. Um, but, you know, uh, racism misogyny, all that stuff are infinitely wily. So we do have all of these other outlets, uh, the internet creating this new, pro probably more dangerous and more entrenched generation of um, people. And, and I don't know that we're equipped to deal with that either. I just want to correct something I said. I said um, warning label. I should have said um, that just an information label. Jen Rubin said this earlier, that it should be explicitly said at the top of every show, this is opinion, this is not news. Uh, so 
not uh, if if that would even matter. But that would, then um, we would it, have to have it on MSNBC for all the commentary okay. shows. Okay. All right. But I think most people who watch MSNBC know that. Right. Or and know the difference. News and stuff. Okay, I got you. Right. You know, I was in uh, Wisconsin this past week, and I was talking to all kinds of people covering the state Supreme Court race. And I was sitting with a group of college students at University of Wisconsin um, at Madison. And uh, the question came up as to whether they had seen ads for the Supreme Court race. Millions of dollars is being poured into it. And these were people who were highly involved. And they said, no, we haven't seen it. And a guy sitting on the sidelines says, do any of you watch television? And they all said, oh, no, we never watched television. So when we're thinking about, and you who deal with and teach younger people can probably confirm this. When we're thinking of a response to that, uh, I love MSNBC. I'm an MSNBC contributor. Everyone should watch MSNBC. But the answer politically is not to bulk up MSNBC. It's to find these viewers where they are. It's streaming. It's podcasts. It's um, viral. It's TikTok. It's going after where the next generation of viewers are and voters are so that they have another outlet and that they... um, at least have a layer, a protective layer of truth as they go out, you know, into the world. So, you know, I guess my sense about Fox is, um, yes, it's horrible that we have to, you know, come to this point, but when has it ever been different in Jen Taub's, you know, greater struggle? When has it ever been easy? You know, you know, for, you know, since the inception of this country, we've been fighting against intolerance, against injustice, against discrimination, against misogyny. It just never stops because it never stops. That's the nature of the battle for racial, social, um, gender justice. So although it's exhausting, it's infuriating, I sometimes say to myself, oh, buck up. Um, you're a white a white middle-class college-educated woman. You don't know what it is to struggle and to fight. Um, get back out there and stop complaining. And so I tell myself that. That's what it is. That's what it is to be. What is your self-saying response when you say that? Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, I fun to whine with my friends. Yeah, 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 but just go out and. But listen, I think it's I think it's fair to acknowledge that this is all hard, whether no matter how privileged you are, if you're a person with empathy, if you're a person who cares what happens to the future of this country, particularly to our most vulnerable and um, our most marginalized, it's tough to take, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, even if everything else is is easier. Um, So while getting Along those lines about the, the historical uh, problem of um, the, not the, well, it used to be the majority, but the still very, very vocal minority of people who use racism and, and misogyny and anti-immigrant hatred, et cetera, et cetera, to um, keep, keep us back, basically. Uh, you know, the, it's not a new project at all, but um, it is what makes these has made these people vulnerable to the kinds of messages being peddled by the Sean Hannity's and et cetera. Um, but it's also why we see uh, how dangerous the Glenn Youngkins and the meatball DeSantis's are and I apologize I I did not call you by your proper name so Bram Mary um you know it just it feels like it's all of a piece I I didn't hear anything before you said Brown Mary yeah so I I had to start over I'm I'm so sorry you said I was talking to Kurt probably when I said watch anyway I just want to get your thoughts on on kind of the broader uh project here that we all kind of need to be engaged in that because it does and i've i feel like i say this too much but it the more we have coming at us the more it feels like it's all of a piece and it's not a um a bunch of different wars it's 
the same one. It's just we're fighting it on all fronts. Yeah, I'm glad you step back and talk about the big picture, right? Because even if you look at Fox, even if Fox goes down in this current environment, like Hydra, you take off a neck, another one will grow up. It'll be like Newsmax or like Fox 2 or like Bill O'Reilly. If you're old like me, you remember Bill O'Reilly used to be the main menace spreading lies on oh, Fox. You're a little younger than Bill, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit, just like by two years. But I always told folks, people like, ah, Bill O'Reilly is gone. Now Fox will write the ship. No, they brought in Tucker who's now white nationalist on steroids. It was also yeah. Bill O'Reilly folks who said slavery, it wasn't that bad. The slaves yeah. were well taken care of. I'm not making that up. Go research that. That was Bill O'Reilly on Fox. So <clears throat> it's one of those situations where if you think just taking out Fox will solve the problem, it will, but something else will emerge because the, the, the problem is, and I know I've said this a lot on your show, is white supremacy. That's Thanos. Thanos is white supremacy in America. And Thanos, white supremacy, is what fuels and animates the anxiety, the rage, the stochastic terrorism. It's what prompted Roger Ailes to say after Nixon lost in the debates with JFK, if we had a Fox News then, Nixon would have won. If we had our own propaganda network, our own Pravda, right? And so now you fast forward to 2023, and I think Jen has said this before, Jen Rubin and I have said this, the hoods are off. You know, they don't need to even hide it. There's no uh, Southern strategy anymore. There's no dog whistles. It's a bullhorn 24-7. And I think, like you have said before, if you look at the big picture, Mary, and this is how you take on the Fox News of the world, you have to punch a bully in the face. What happens institutionally and also within media, and I've been working on it for 20 years, and I'll tell you, as I've said before, is the mainstream media and mainstream institutions always bend the knee to bad faith right-wing outrage. Instead of confronting it, instead of naming it, instead of fighting back, we always bend the knee. It's like Charlie Brown and Lucy, we're Charlie Brown, they're Lucy, they always pull the football and we fall on our ass, right? And the reason why we don't fight back is oftentimes it's the Michelle Obama problem. When they go low, we go high. We have to be civil. Oh, oh, Republicans also buy sneakers and, and, and watch TV. We have to court them. Also, coddling white supremacy, infantilizing it, calling it economic anxiety. Let's go to the Rust Belt. Let's find out why they're so upset. Have you talked to black and brown voters in urban cities? Has there been a mainstream news of Has anyone asked Republican voters to go to the urban cities and ask black and brown folks and white folks why a historic number came on voted for Biden? Still no article on that yet, Mary. So this I'm is still waiting for the interview with Hillary Clinton voters. Not one. Still to this day, not one. Think about it. Not one news channel, headline, no. magazine report. Republican no. voters, why don't you go and talk to these uh, urban voters in their diners and find out why a historic number came out during a pandemic to vote for Biden? It's just an example of how we always coddle white rage to the point where even when there's stochastic terrorism, thanks to Fox News, we still coddle it as they're going after our educators, uh, politicians. Media personality, Jen, you know, Ruben gets so much hate. You get so much hate. I get so much hate. And so the big picture here is unless we as the majority and we have the numbers, and I always tell folks this, that the majority has the numbers. This is where we have the huge advantage. We punch the bully back. And this is why I like Dominion's lawsuit, because, yes, they have so much money. But Dominion said, I'm going to punch back. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be cowed into silence. You can threaten me. You can intimidate me. You can have death threats against me. We know the law. You defamed us. And in courtroom, we're going to actually take you back and take you out. You're going to lose money. And listen, they are afraid. Newsmax, once they realize, go back and look. When Newsmax realized that they were like on threat of being like sued by Dominion, you saw the host in, in real time. Mm -hmm. Neil Cavuto, don't agree with his politics. He's not stupid. He realized in real time, yeah, I'm not going to entertain this. And so what happens as a result? You punch back in court. You, they're probably going to lose money. They get exposed. The more exposed they get, you chip away, Mary. More and more people see, oh, my God, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson themselves thought this was bullshit. These are clowns. And then what we need to do is to not normalize it. And I really want to stress this. You saying Fox instead of Fox News is very important. When I said to an editor who I won't name a couple months ago, I'm going to you know, do a piece on Fox. I'm not going to call it Fox News. He said, well, but people see them as a news station, so we should call them Fox News. I'm like, why? Why are we normalizing it? 
and this is the key thing. Once the majority stops normalizing it, you will see their power diminish within this ecosystem. And this is where Joe right. Biden is doing something really smart. It's gone under the radar. He hasn't gone on Fox, have you noticed? He hasn't normalized Fox. But Obama did. Biden hasn't. Stop calling them Fox News. Do what Biden did accidentally, which ended up helping him, where he called them a semi-fascist movement. Say that they're a right-wing propaganda outlet. Have mainstream institutions choke them off, choke off the oxygen. And this is what people don't realize. If you choke off the oxygen, Mary, Fox needs mainstream legitimacy and mainstream access to survive. They need those politicians to come on, right? Once you choke them off and completely isolate them and exile them, all they have then is the fetid swamp of the 30% base. Then they're no better than Newsmax. They lose a lot of their institutional power and weight. And so the question I have for the people who are watching, and I listen to your comments, we all do, thank you for joining us, and the rest of the panel is, why does the majority still coddle and mainstream and normalize this right-wing entity, which we clearly see as a radicalized, weaponized movement, Mary? Why do we even call it Fox News? It, it's to say it's ridiculous is, is the understatement of the century, um, because, you know, they they don't just disagree with us. They don't they don't want us to exist. A lot of us, you know, they want us to have no rights. They want us to have no voice and to coddle them or even to make room for them to be perceived as legitimate is kind of mystifying to me. Um, and, you know, uh, unfortunately, hate sells. Do you guys remember when Hillary Clinton was running? She had a slogan that said, love trumps hate, trumps being a, a, the verb. When I first saw it, I thought it was T-R-U-M-P apostrophe S. <laughs> and um, that's, that's, what, that's why... Uh, one of the reasons these people are so dangerous, they just traffic in hatred and fear and anger and anything that allows that is should be called out and and eradicated. I mean, we cannot continue this way. And thankfully, Dominion is doing the right thing. Um, and unfortunately, I think the bar in these cases, well, what do, what, what do I know? I'm not, I'm the one non-lawyer here, so I'm not going to say that. So Char, are the, 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 the bars in these, the bar in this kind of case is very high, is it not? It is very high. Um, this is the actual malice standard for defamation and libel. And usually news organizations that have made an honest mistake well number one they if you if they've made an honest mistake you'll often see a correction yeah uh and one of the things that's particularly damning in uh, all of the media suits that dominion is pursuing is oan uh, newsmax and fox they were all given correctives in real time by dominion you know, that's right and they didn't uh, correct themselves until the lawsuits were filed. And that's pretty damning evidence to put in front of a jury. Yeah. And I, I think that's another reason why uh, lay people such as, as myself get frustrated with this process because it seems so obvious, you know, just like in Georgia. I mean, they, we don't have the smoking gun. We have an actual, like the, a representation of somebody holding the gun and shooting it. It's so why is it taking so long? But I think if we do pull back and see, okay, the standards do have to be high. And yet, you know, they, they seem to have a lot of good information. And we have a friend who's actually uh, going to trial soon for a def defamation case who seems to be doing quite well. So hopefully that is the way this Dominion case is going to go because even if it doesn't bankrupt Rupert Murdoch, I mean, what possibly could it will send a very strong message. Um, okay, I want to shift gears to Wisconsin, which probably isn't getting a much that much attention because one, it's Wisconsin. No offense to Wisconsin, but you know how many people pay that much attention to what's going on in states in which they don't live. Um, two, it's February, and as as Jen Rubin can attest, it's quite chilly. Uh, and three, it's for a Supreme Court seat, which. I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to get that many people to pay attention. However, Jen Rubin, who just came back from Wisconsin, 
this is a really, really big deal. We have today a free-for-all primary in which the two top vote getters will then face off in the general election, which I believe is in April. We have two Democratic candidates. We have two Republican candidates. And this is it's different for many reasons. But one of the reasons it's different is because at least two of the candidates are are not holding back in terms of I don't want to say partisan isn't quite the word, but they're not pulling any punches when they're talking about what their beliefs are in terms of things like a woman's right to choose uh, gerrymandering, et cetera. So, Jen, since you were there, like, what's what's the state on the ground? You know, it's funny. Um, you correctly say two Democrats and two Republicans. It's ostensibly yep. a nonpartisan race, so they're not allowed right. to identify. But there is zero doubt who's on That's whose right. team. And I must say, I was rather impressed with the state Democratic Party that is organizing and getting people out as if there were a midterm race or a statewide race of some type, and they've really gotten their you know act together. Um, the reason why this race is so critical is the Justice, who was retiring, was the fourth conservative on a seven-person court. Right. So whoever replaces this, whether it's a progressive um, or a conservative, is going to basically set the direction of the court um, for the next um, few years. And if you can think of every hot-button issue, it has been in the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Gerrymandering, abortion, um, gun rights, crime. Uh, you know, uh, the big lie, um, union busting, every single issue that has international and national significance has wound up there. And invariably, this right-wing Supreme Court has delivered win after win, if you will, for the Republicans. And this is despite the fact that over 60% of voters in that state are pro-choice. So um, this is the court that is going to, um, you know, put the nail in the coffin and make sure that an 1849 um, provision goes into law that bans essentially all abortions. So what I went there was, first of all, figure out, does anybody there actually care? And the answer is yes. Um, and second, to get a sense of how these things really do affect people's lives. It's really hard to appreciate from a distance um, how much it matters. I had dinner on Friday night with a group of women OBGYNs. These women are heroic beyond all imagination. Their lives, their professions, their patients have been turned upside down in the last year. They. One OBGYN said she had a patient with a high-risk pregnancy, and she came to her in tears and said, please promise me that if things go wrong, you'll put my life first. Imagine the desperation that a patient would actually have to plead with a doctor to do that, that that simply wouldn't be a given in a doctor-patient relationship. There are 20-year-olds who are going into OBGYNs to get their tubes tied because they don't want to have a pregnancy. There are young people by the boatload exiting Wisconsin because who wants to live in a state like that? Of the 72 counties, about a third of them don't have a single OBGYN in them right now in rural counties. Um, there are, for a state of about 6 million people, there are about 300 graduating medical school students every year. 300. And if half or three quarters of them now say, no way, I'm out of here, I'm leaving the state, what does that mean to the lives of the people who are left behind? So. It was really important for me to understand how real these issues are, that it is not just some ephemeral, abstract issue. These are literally people's lives. And the governor, Tony Evers, who's a terrific guy, really smart, just gave a state of the budget speech. And he actually, for once, all Democrats should do this, said, you know what? we're not going to be able to survive economically. We're not going to have a qualified workforce if we keep this up, because who's going to want to check their freedom at the door when they come to our state? That's the argument that more Democrats have to start making, that you are slitting your own throats. You want to treat women like second-class citizens, getting used to living in a third-world economy. 
That's yeah. essentially the message. So yeah. it is fascinating from the people that I talked to, talking, interviewing uh, a couple of these judges. You know, it's weird for me as a recovering lawyer to see judges running for office and having to campaign this way. Um, but that's the system they have. And who's to say that's not a better system than the one we have? Look what our Supreme Court, look what, you know, non-elected judges have done for us. So right. I think keeping an eye on this, it really is a little bit of a test. One University of Wisconsin student said to me, she looks upon this to see if there is still hope for the state of Wisconsin. Imagine being like a 20 year old and thinking, okay, like, you know, let's see if there's any hope for me to ever have a decent life and want to stay. Another student who was the sole organizer, God bless her, in a campus, in a rural area of a branch campus of University of Wisconsin. She's the only person on campus who is the Planned Parenthood organizer. She sits out there with her table and she organizes and she talks to people. And she said to me, why would I want to stay in a state that doesn't respect me as a human being? That's real. That's, that's pretty real. Yeah, that's a very, very valid question yeah. uh, that yeah. we should not have to be asking in America in 2023. Right. But here we are. Right. And, and the cowardness is so amazing. I talked to a second year medical student. And when this all came down, the students who helped recruit other medical students, they talk, you know, like in most campuses, they talk to prospective students, they, you know, answer the questions. They said, well, what do we tell them about how they would be educated at the medical school? And the most ridiculous answer that just personifies this patriarchal condescending view was, you'll learn all the medicine you need to know. How is that for like a bullshit answer? That's, that's, that's pretty. That's pretty high up there on the bullshit meter, and uh, you know that is not that is not how it's supposed to work. Right. Uh, and Tab, I what I should have said uh, to set this up, and Jen reminded me by pointing out that sixty percent of Wisconsin voters are pro-choice or whatever mm. vernacular you want to use. Um, <clears throat> is that when there is a an election in Wisconsin, again, in which there's a Democratic governor, there's one Democratic senator, there's one, unbelievably enough, uh, Ron Johnson. Lunatic. I mean, total lunatic who I can't believe, well, I can't believe he won, but that's a different, that's a different story. Um, but, you know, so you think, okay, it's, it's a sort of 50-50 state. However, because it is so heavily gerrymandered, we exist in this the state exists in this point where whenever there's an election to decide state legislature it's either will the republicans have the majority or will the republicans have the supermajority i mean that's how bad it is and as jen pointed out there's a lot at stake here and it's not just about uh, a woman's right to choose or uh pregnant people's bodily autonomy it's also about um that situation gerrymandering and how to level the playing field and this is an election that may well have implications for the 2024 presidential election because of uh the big lie so jen taub i mean what's what i mentioned earlier is what's fascinating is that there is no neutrality here these these judges are very clearly on one side or the other and I, you know, on the one hand, I, I kind of find that sad, but on the other hand, that seems to be the way we need to be fighting um, it, these kinds of these kinds of battles. What do you think? Um, I'm going to agree with you, and then Ty will just make a point about Wisconsin. Something that I noticed. I mean, Jen Rubin mentioned how they really have their act together, and I figured as much when I saw that Ben Wickler. I don't know if you know who he is, became chairman of the Wisconsin Democratic Party in 2019. He was, um, I think he was a, he was up there in the, uh, in the hierarchy or advising move on. And I have, you know, occasionally run into him places and he's an impressive, smart guy. And I think that the um, Democratic Party needs to, I don't know how he, if he got recruited there or what, ha what have you, but I think there, I don't know what goes, I'm not a, I'm I'm not active in any party politics. I'm a registered Dem, so I don't know how this works. 
but it strikes me that there's got to be probably people at the national level who've thought about who needs to chair these various states. Um, and so I think that it shows me that they're doing doing good work there. And there's several things you said before you got to the question, Mary, which is, yeah, I mean, you know, state judges are... Sorry. State judges are... At least I asked a question this time. It's funny. When I went to law school, I was shocked because, you know, when you go to law school, uh, they really teach you, you your first semester usually is is civil procedure, but it's federal civil procedure. You don't... Most professors don't focus at all on the states, and they talk about judges, and it's always like we all have in our mind this idea of the supposedly nonpartisan Supreme Court justice and federal appellate court justice appointments, which we all are not actually nonpartisan. Otherwise, why would it matter so much who's president? Right. But, we, but exactly. anyhow, you know, I'm supposed to go along with the lie. Yay, hoo-hoo, you know, let's pretend. And I come from a state where I come from Michigan, a lot of states like Wisconsin, they, they elect their judges. Um, and in fact, my, my, my mom, who was in the Michigan State House at one point as a Republican, now I don't think she associates with them anymore. Um, but she, the first time I got involved in a po- political campaign was a, an election for a judge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. so this idea, like, it's just, it's nutty. It's yeah. nutty that, we, that we're, t- we're, 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 we're told to pretend. Um, and it's, again, it, it's the judges, it's the legislatures. It's, it's all of it, and sometimes things are more, there have been times when I just saw yesterday, who was on from Michigan, uh, it was, um, wasn't the governor, um, I think it, it wasn't, it was the oh, attorney Dana general. Nessel. Yeah, she was on last night, and she said, you know, there was a time, you know, it's really important to have robust debate between the Republican and the Democratic Party, and for years, that's what it was like in Michigan, like Michigan. I've got to tell you, every state has a different character for their parties. Now they're completely Looney Tunes. They really went off the deep end in the second two years of the Trump administration where they all became true believers or they were kicked out of the party. Um, and now they're election deniers. They're a bunch of lunatics. Well, that that's the uh, new head of the Republican Party yes. in yes. It, Michigan? Michigan, yes. yes. Yeah. Wait, yeah it, uh, two quick points. One, okay. leadership totally makes a difference. Jen yeah. is right. The Democratic Party of Wisconsin totally has their act together and it filters down i go into it's like 13 degrees under there's snow on the ground i go out on a saturday morning to a business park in southwest uh madison and there's a young woman there who is sending out volunteers she's teaching them to use the app she's directing them she makes sure they get the script who is she She's in her gap year between high school and college. She has come to Michigan to do this, and she is completely self-possessed. She's in charge. You have to have people who empower other people to do that and get out and get people organized. And if we could do one thing, it would be to clone Ben Wickler and send him to every state, and they develop, you know, um, an organization. And the other thing about this is, you know, it, it used to be in Wisconsin, I was talking to primarily Democrats, and they said, you know, back in the good old days, when Tommy Thompson, who was a pretty conservative Republican, was governor, you know, yeah. there were good things, there were bad things, you know, the parties were kind of like on either side of the 40-yard line. Now yeah. you have the Democrats who are like still on the 40-yard line, and the Republicans are in another football stadium. Um, <laughs> They're so far away that there is no kind of balanced debate. And, you know, you can't operate that way because then every election is like a, you know, finger nail biting exercise. Are we going to be taken over by complete lunatics or simply people who we don't always agree with? Yeah, absolutely. And and Chara, one of the things about this election that I hope, uh, well, one, I hope uh, one of the Democratic nominees gets in. I mean, I think it's likely that it will be one one Republican and one Democrat. Is that it, that even if this the primary is going under the radar, hopefully the uh, general will get more attention because one of the things Democrats have been abysmal at is dealing with things at the state and lo- local and state levels and helping voters understand how vitally important the ju- judiciary is. I mean, we've missed that boat so many times. We're dealing with a supermajority of illegitimate, forgive me, psychos, like white nationalist religious zealots on the Supreme Court. I'm sorry if I'm not 
if I'm pulling my punches, but they're destroying our country. Call, call um, it like it is. Well, you know, it's true. Uh, if you read some of these opinions, they're absolutely hair raising. Um, so, Joe, do you think this is an opportunity for Democrats to start or I mean, not that they're starting from scratch, but to to be more um, aggressive about centering the issues of of local and state governance and the importance of the judiciary, because there's so much at stake here. It's kind of mind blowing. Sure. Uh, well, in 39 states, judges are elected. Um, in some states, all judges are elected. And right. then like in Florida, it's only lower state judges who are elected and we appoint our, our Supreme Court justices. But yes, there is a huge opportunity to educate the public about the importance of voting all the way down ballot, including the judicial races. And I think we also need to do a better job of informing the public where these judges stand. Now, sometimes that's very difficult to suss out because judicial candidates can be very cagey, but some of them have really long records of saying really obnoxious things. And yeah. so we have to, you know, do the League of Women voter voter guides, get the information out there, tweet it out so that each voter, when they are faced with a judicial election, can make a wise choice. Yeah, uh, and it, it does, it makes such a difference um, getting people engaged in, in this particular issue because it's everything, you know? I, yes, our, is climate change the most serious thing facing us? Of course it is. But guess what? The Supreme Court, the judiciary, can help shape legislation that will help us deal with it or not deal with it, you know. Uh, so it it is it's, for me the, the the top issue. Okay, Brown Mary. No, you know, and 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 Biden gets it, and it's kind of an underreported victory of his administration, thanks to the slim majority. And this is why voting matters is that he's been able to appoint so many judges, right? Yeah. And if you look at the power, and I give credit where credit's due, to the discipline of the right wing, they're disciplined yep. on messaging, they're disciplined on their goals, and they chip away, right? You sit there and you go, if you're in the right, after Roe passed, you're like, we lost, it's over. In fact, I was talking to some conservatives even 10 years ago, they're like, we lost the battle on abortion, we have to make sure gay marriage, it, it, it doesn't like, you know, get validated. They thought it was over. They spent 40 years, Leonard Leo and others, the Federalist Society spent billions of dollars, uh, groomed a generation of young activists, who then became judges who now are, as you said, right-wing extremists on the Supreme Court. And lo and behold, what happened in 2022, a 50-year constitutionally protected right is gone. And if you look at the power of the local, Mary, Republicans are very good at this. Uh, what they've openly said, and I mentioned this on your show again and again and again, because I think it's important. They're using just a core few people with some discipline and some funding to take over local school boards, local city councils, uh, you know, take over the become DAs, become judges, and they realize county by county, city by city, state by state, they win. And so I want to again say that when you have people like Ben in Wisconsin who's doing great work, I've seen just, you know, just observing what he's been doing for the past few years, Wisconsin Democrats, thanks to grassroots movements by a few people, have organized now and revitalized the National Party to actually get their shit together, pardon my language, and take this like every single race seriously. And it all adds up, especially with judges. So for those who are watching, I think it's important because even though we go through the doom and gloom on your show, uh, it's it just a case like case of, you know, even Jen just uh, Ruben was saying that that one woman, young woman who sits there with her booth, she fights back. You need yep. people to punch a bully in the face, even if it's one. And I think that one person punching a bully in the face, what it does, it gives people courage. Oh, look. If that person can punch the bully in the face and they're still standing, may maybe I can join, right? It's like schoolyard politics all over again. Um, and it's one of those situations where we have the numbers. And if we can win over in these local counties, we choke off the right wing movement, Mary. We choke them off. And yep. especially with his judges. And in the if you want to give up, it took the right wing 40 years to accomplish their goal with the Supreme Court. 40 years. Uh, we can get it done sooner because we have the numbers. But you have to have people step up and fight, especially in these local races. Yeah, actually, I think it was 
50 or 60 years, 73. I'm with, the, with the concentrated movement. Yeah, but you're right. Oh, years. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there, we, uh, there was other things I want to talk about, but I'm glad that we spent as much time as we did on these two issues because they both have such uh, broad implications. Um, and tragically, uh, the devastating situation in Syria and Turkey will be something we'll continue to have to talk about as Tragically, uh, will the Russia's illegal war in Ukraine. Um, but I just want to end on this note. I want to ask all each one of you, which one bully would you most like to punch in the face? Theoretically speaking, there's no real punching going on. So uh, let's start with uh, Ashkenazi Jen. Or maybe you're both Ashkenazi, Jen. We maybe are both Ashkenazi. Okay. Yes, exactly. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Which Ashkenazi, Jen? Right, right. We're both. We're actually the same person. We're really, we don't just see like, us together. Are, like you like, you, are you like Ukrainian, Eastern European, yeah, yeah, Tale yeah, of yeah. Settlement? All right, so you are the same we're probably person. Yeah. Could, yeah, probably. Undoubtedly. Um, so uh, <laughs> Ashkenazi, Jen Taub. Which, which one bully would you most like to punch in the face? right now i you know i'm not um hypothetically i don't even i'd rather have someone be hoisted by their own petard than me Fine. having to no it just it's it it is simply a metaphor who would you like to spend more time with his family <laughs> yeah that works i've got to choose one I feel in like prison this is, uh, you how know, about someone from the supreme court who would you most like in prison that's just that's good or you know a off of the scene who do who do you want to have get the hook oh, so oh my god should we, well just you know but these are also in my personal life or do you mean on no. the oh my god <laughs> you're one of those wow just yeah. play no. the game no one on this call present company right. excluded your your uncle needs to fall i will Period. not disagree i will not disagree with that uh chara so instead of punching anyone, uh, I would encourage everyone to learn about Belva Lockwood. She was the first woman to um, be able to argue in front of the Supreme Court. And in order to be able to do that, she had to get an act of Congress. And this was all in the 1870s. So we can persevere even in the face of really long odds. Absolutely. And that is that is um, much more optimistic and hopeful than my question. Wait, don't but let her fight the I hypothetical. Still feel, Who is this? I still I still feel like, again, maybe we it's just because Brown Mary, Brown Mary always says the punch the bully in the face. And I always assume that he doesn't mean literally punch them. So, yes, Brown Mary. Who should most get his or her their comeuppance? Yes. Yeah. We're all being figurative here. Uh, since your uncle was already taken. I'm on the fence between, and I, and very quickly I'll tell you why. And maybe I could take both the the Ginny and Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, or Tucker. And the reason I'm on the fence between both is both have done so much damage from their respective perches that I think if there is an actual accountability and comeuppance, they act tough, but all of them will grovel, and you'll see how weak the bully really is. And I think it will automatically bring some sort of relief. Uh, to uh, America, one from the pulpit of the media, you, you, lies and propaganda and haters are reduced. And he's so weak. He's so fragile, right? Especially yeah. him. And yeah. then Clarence and Ginny Thomas, the fact that there is some accountability for a criminal couple using and abusing their power to help an insurrection. So I'm torn. Yeah. I'll let Ruben decide which one. I was going to say, two. like, nobody is playing by the rules, Ashkenazi, Jen, Ruben. So, <laughs> you know, I'm going to close the circuit on the conversation. I am going to choose <laughs> Rupert Murdoch. Ah. That, you know, mm -hmm. we brought him into this country. I'm pro-immigration. We have an open door. And this is what he does to our country. This is what he does to um, democracy. Maybe we can find like a loophole in there someplace where he uh, lied to get in the United States. But unfortunately, he's an international menace. He does the same thing That's to right. Sky. He does the same thing in Australia. It's all over. But if there would right. be one person who would permanently leave the scene and we might actually get someone who's just a little less corrupt a little yeah. less evil a little less horrible I'm, I'm going with rupert yeah i think i think uh that's 
definitely somebody who deserves to get the hook, hypothetically speaking. Um, so, yeah, Rupert Murdoch, international menace. Uh, and I changed my answer to Rupert Murdoch, international menace. <laughs> I changed my answer to Rupert Murdoch, international menace. <laughs> Okay, and I I love the Belleville Lockwood reference. Uh, so everybody read up on her. And um, that was, Charlotte, thank you so much for being here today. We'll have you back for sure. Um, that was awesome. Uh, Brown Mary Ali, Ashkenazi, that just does not flow trippingly off the tongue. Jen Taub, Jen Rubin, thank you all so much for being here today. And hopefully I will see you all soon. In the meantime, please stay safe. <laughs> Thank you all for being here today. I know there was a troll. Hopefully we got rid of him. Uh, and thank you, of course, to my guests, Jarrah Tor uh, Spelsey, Jen Rubin, Jen Taub, Brown Waj Ali. Uh, it was great to hang out with them today. I missed everybody last week, so it's good to be back. Uh, just a reminder that we will uh, be having our show this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we have House of Horrors because it will not shock you to know that there are a lot of horrible things going on in speaker in name only Kevin McCarthy's horrible house. Uh, and of course, we will be back here next Tuesday at whatever time it is, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you can catch all the shows at youtube.com slash Politicon. While you're there, you can like the episode. You can leave a comment. If you weren't here in real time, you can click on that bell to subscribe. That way you will be absolutely sure to be notified anytime a new video drops. Uh, I've been doing some shorts that are coming out pretty much every Saturday um, and every once in a while on Wednesdays as well. So you can check those out. Uh, they're shorter, they're a little lighter, and it's just me kind of venting. Um, so, oh yeah, of course, you can you can watch, sorry, listen to all of the shows uh, in podcast form on Apple or anywhere else you find your podcasts. And that, oh, well, actually, a favor. If you could give the show a five-star review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the show. And, you know, we're trying to grow. Uh, so that would be awesome. Anyway, thank you all so much, as always, for being here. Uh, we really appreciate that, too. Uh, we will see you Thursday. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.